0: from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 90, I'm Steve Kwan, and today we have a returning legend to the podcast from the Isle of Vancouver, the taint professor, Robert J. Bernanke.
1: (laughs) J. Oh, that's a new one.
0: (laughs) Hey, it works for Trump. It's going to work for you, too.
1: (laughs) God, I I thought that was a Simpsons reference, like Homer (laughs) J. Simpson and J stands for J, like J-A-Y.
0: Well, I also thought it was a Simpsons reference, but Trump does it as well, doesn't he? I, th- I think his middle initial is J, or at least that's the way that he announces it. Maybe he got that from the Simpsons.
1: Well, I mean...
0: It really would complete the circle. He
1: gets his worldview from cartoons, I think. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, fair enough. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on.
0: <laughs> so today, a topic that Rob has wanted to talk about for a while, which I think is right up our alley is the concept of expertise and you know i don't know about you rob but i find myself in the awkward position of having some deluded people out there actually look to me as an expert (laughs) in certain areas. And with that comes a whole landmine of challenges, both when you're the person who is the authority and when you're the person who doesn't know what they're doing. And part of what we wanted to talk about today is how you can make quality decisions about the type of information that you have in front of you. So when you are confronted with expertise, so when you've got that black belt in the room, who's telling you what you should or shouldn't be doing, how do you know that that is actually the best advice and how do you compare that advice to other sources of advice and how do you rationalize that if those sources don't agree with each other
1: yeah i mean that's a, a really like let's be honest especially nowadays this is a landmine because like i don't really want to talk about politics but it's kind of difficult to avoid because there has been a concerted effort on the part of one side of politics in particular in the united states not elsewhere. There's been a concerted effort to reduce the um, the public opinion of expertise, to create as much doubt as possible about the efficacy of experts. There's a lot more belief in pseudoscience. There's a lot of populist rejection of expertise that has been, like I said, it just increasing over probably the last 30 years, uh, and very much so in the last five or ten years. Uh, I've now, I'm, i' you know I'm in my mid forties and I still remember a, a time when like scientists were revered like you know i I'm old enough to remember when Carl Sagan was a pretty big celebrity, and we do have Neil deGrasse Tyson nowadays, but I would argue that his footprint is far far smaller and and even back when Carl Sagan was a big deal, he was writing about the potential damage being done to society by anti-intellectualism in the United States, again. Although it's, it's unfortunately, even though I would argue that out of Western countries, the United States has the highest anti-intellectualist sentiment, uh, it is spreading. And so there, there's been a, like I said, a very concerted effort to reduce the impact of expertise because experts are, <laughs> they're at the forefront of being able to debunk and call out extremely bad ideas. And uh, politics is a, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's often the organization of bad ideas and trying to present them to people in a palatable way so that you can pretend to be doing something about a problem rather than doing it while funneling as much power to your donors as you possibly can. So, uh, having people who are not beholden to that process, who are just going to say, well, no, that's not really how things work. If you can eliminate their influence on the public, then you can kind of make reality whatever you want it to be. To a point, uh, we're reaching uh, a point in our society, in, in the world, where people trying to ignore experts is now finally, in a gruesome way, having pretty negative consequences. You can only cheat Science and reality for so long. Uh, so those, those, those chickens are finally coming home to roost, but it's too late. The damage is done because the people who are the, of the type to reject expertise are now doing so and making uh, the, the problems that the world faces even worse and may even prevent proper solutions from being as effective as they can be. You know, the most specific example of that is going to be vaccine, um, deniers, anti vaxxers who, depending on what country you're in, if you look at the statistics on who's going to take a vaccine and who isn't, again, in the States, it's probably higher than almost any other Western country as to people who are saying right off the bat, without knowing anything about it, they're just not going to take a vaccine. So in (laughs) jujitsu, we we are still, as a community, mostly about looking up to experts. But because people who are newer to the community – aren't as educated on what expertise looks like. They tend to think that anyone wearing a black belt is an expert in jiu- Jitsu, and that is absolutely not the case. So sorry, like roundabout way of getting to, to my point here. When you're asking, "How do I know if I should listen to the black belt in the room about something? it really really depends on what their actual field of expertise is like i know black belts who can't defend a heel hook or do a heel hook to save their life i know black belts who don't know how to do a dars you know that's uh, i think that's a bit of a poor standard but uh, anyway so if you ask them a question about that how they answer it will hopefully tell you whether or not they're somebody to be trusted as an instructor because people who make up answers to questions they don't know the answers to are definitely not to be trusted and are definitely not experts because one of the things that's really clear about experts is they're the first ones to tell you when they're speaking outside of their field of knowledge. Like I have seen interviews with physicists who are asked a physics question and they're like hemming and hawing because the physics question is outside of their particular field. You know, like if the guy's a particle physicist and they get asked about a question that's about i'm blanking on some other specific type of physics but they will very much say well this is out of my field of expertise even though they can probably answer that question really really well they're aware enough of what other experts actually know about this and i think that in jujitsu if you're dealing with a black belt who's never trained with or rolled with actual real elite black belts then they don't know the limitations of their knowledge and they're more likely to be making shit up on the spot. So I would say that the first aspect of like, how do I determine whether or not this person is an expert? Whether we're talking about somebody who's wearing a black belt in jujitsu or somebody who's, you know, got a medical degree or somebody who's talking about, uh, you know, at any subject is how willing are they to couch their statements? with qualifiers how willing are they to say well you know this isn't my particular area of expertise here's what I know about this or you know in my field I'm pretty familiar with this and based on my experience and they give you really specific examples like the first or one of the first things I tell my students is that anything I teach you in here I've either personally used like at the black belt level I've used it in competition against another black belt or in training against uh, like good black belts, or I learned it from somebody who used it in competition at the black belt level, uses it against good black belts. That is my standard. That allows me to teach stuff to people that I know has the utmost standard of quality. And when I do teach it to them, I also explain to them that if I can't explain to you why we're doing it, if I can't give you an example of it being used at the black belt level... Then I just shouldn't be teaching it. It's, it's not my business to just teach you random shit. And it's not my business to, to try to tell you that you should do something just because I say I should have to give you a rationale for it that can be well explained. So if people are doing that and they're saying, Oh, look, I've been training for this long and I've played this type of guard you know, for this long. And, you know, when this happens, then you got to do this. And when this happens and they give you a, a conceptual grounding for it then yeah, absolutely. You should probably listen to them. If they're saying, well, do it because I say so, because I'm the black belt, then that's probably an indicator that they're not that much of an expert.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a lot to unpack there. And I think- Yeah, one of the sorry, first- I kind of went <laughs> off on a- <laughs> No, no, it's perfect. I think one of the first things that stands out to me and something that I think as a beginner, you often aren't really able to see right away is that just because someone is an expert does not mean they are an expert in every single aspect of what they're teaching in so i mean you gave a great example there of scientists right if you are a scientist well that doesn't necessarily mean that you are an expert in all walks of science it would actually be preposterous to claim that you're an expert in every single wing of science and even in within jujitsu it's the same thing right everyone has a different journey to how they got their expertise and that ultimately dictates like you said what they know know what they know has worked firsthand for them and what they don't know and the important thing from an expert is if you really are an expert you should be aware of and comfortable disclosing the limitations of your knowledge and i think that a a big red flag of any jujitsu instructor is the one who has an answer for just everything regardless of what you throw at them right even if it's outside of their wheelhouse you know if you have an instructor who never trains outside of ibjjf rules but but, you know, you you look at them, and they're able to just kind of come up with answers about things that they, you know they've never trained. You should at least look twice into that, and maybe consider a second source of information. It doesn't mean your instructor is wrong, but it means that they're talking about something that may be outside of their comfort zone. And the challenge to wearing that expert hat is. You are often put on the spot <laughs> where you're kind of being asked of, of what may be a very difficult question outside of your zone. And, you know, at first for your ego kind of kicks in and you feel like you're obligated to provide an answer because after all, you are the expert. And that leads to a lot of situations where people talk out of turn and they wind up explaining things when they really have absolutely no idea and they're just taking a best guess at the time. That's, I think, one of the challenges with expertise is that for the total beginning. it's very very hard for them to look at the situation and assess is this person a true expert? And I think we see that a lot in the world stage, right? Like if it's one thing for me to look at another black belt and to kind of have an idea of what they know when they, they don't know, but it's another thing for the first day white belt to show up and have no clue how this martial art even works. And they're being told this information and it's going to take them a long, long time to be able to parse out who's telling the truth, who's telling what's effective, what works and what doesn't. And I think that's the challenge is that in order to get to the point where you're actually equipped to judge and qualify whether an expert knows what they're talking about, you kind of, to some extent, have to be an expert yourself or at least on your way there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say you have to be an expert, but I would say that you have to have a pretty substantial amount of knowledge. Like, to, to again put it into jujitsu terms, the, the average person walking into the gym for the first time, if they were to roll with one of my blue belts, and then they were to roll with me, they would literally not be able to tell the difference. I've, I've had to explain this to people a couple of different ways where like, you know, I've got some really good athletic blue belts who just like, it's crazy that we really don't have very many good athletes in jujitsu. <laughs> like when somebody who's actually a good athlete, like somebody who's played another sport professionally and they come in and they start doing jujitsu, you, you realize how bad the general level of jujitsu is. Because most people who are doing it are just not even remotely athletic. So their learning rate and their physicality is so much lower than that of athletes that like when a real athlete comes in, literally people who've been training for two or three years, the first couple of years that they're learning jujitsu, they're just actually learning how to control their body in a non-idiot way. Like they're, they're learning how to not fall over for no reason. They're learning how to keep their balance. They're learning how to not put themselves into... Like unathletic positions all the time. When somebody comes in with an athletic background, they just, they can just do shit, right? They just, they don't fall down for no reason. They don't have shitty balance. They don't have shitty posture. They don't yeah, give people access to, to breaking their alignment so easily. So when somebody's a pretty good athlete at blue belt, if somebody comes in and just rolls with them, they literally the rate at which my blue belt can submit a new, like a brand new person is, it's absolutely equal to mine. I cannot, like, there's a rate at which when somebody's just, you know, sticking their arm out every time and you just slap a triangle on them, slap an arm bar on them, sweep them left and right. There's literally no way for that person to tell. And it's literally impossible for me. Like the error rate that the new person is, is making. It's so high that the, and the mistakes are so big that the blue belt will catch every single one of those mistakes if they want to and submit you and so i can't even show to a brand new person that i'm actually any better unless i roll with that blue belt (laughs) and they'd have to watch me rolling with the blue belt and see what the difference is so as somebody who is a a neophyte to information it's really difficult sometimes and unfortunately like with the jujitsu world it's really easy to figure out like if somebody is an actual blue belt and the other person's an actual black belt like and there's a le- there's legitimately that level of difference in skill between them then the blue belt rolling with the black belt is the end of the question it's the end of the argument but when you look at other fields of expertise you know like if a if an epidemiologist is talking and a doctor is talking a doctor who's just like an emergency room doctor or, or a pediatrician is talking, somebody who has no medical training whatsoever could watch them argue. And again, they wouldn't be able to tell necessarily if the pediatrician or the, you know, the, the, the non-epidemiologist is disingenuous enough and uses enough, you know, sleazy debate tactics, which, you know, if you want to watch sleazy debate tactics by a guy who's full of shit 90% of the time, just listen to Ben Shapiro. Uh, you, like you've got a guy who's made a career out of just bad logic and dunking on college students who have no idea how to debate. And people watch him and they think he's the smartest guy on the fucking planet when he's just a like, he's a total hack propagandist. So if, if you're really interested in debating disingenuously and not actually arriving at the truth, you can cloud somebody else's vastly superior knowledge Especially if somebody's not going to look up some of the information you put out. They're, they're not going to be able to parse like the difference between certain things. It's actually really possible for somebody who is a total expert in the field to still not convince the uninitiated person.
0: Yeah, that's a really fascinating thing because it is interesting how quickly the machine can come off the wheels when an expert is confronting someone who is just really, really good at deconstructing experts. There is a totally different skill set to that. So yeah, it's one thing to be an expert and it's another thing to be able to create the appearance of expertise it's the difference between being right versus making yourself look right and that might sound like it's not a big difference but it's a huge huge difference right because there are people who are basically in the the category of showmen and their ability is not necessarily to go through all of the steps required to create and construct these rational thoughts but they're able to create like a smoke screen that makes their opponent look bad and by doing that they're able to sow the seeds of doubt in the minds of people who don't really understand what's going on so
1: well just, sorry let, let just sort i don't want to correct you but i just want to like add an addendum here the, you say they're they're able to make their opponent look bad
0: in the eyes of someone who doesn't know what they're doing
1: in, exactly only in the eyes of the, the really uninitiated uh you know like it's like w- when people watch certain commentators when i watch ben shapiro i'm just like Oh, Christ. This guy's so full of shit. It's like, it's, it's unbearable. Like, if you have some, uh, some training in rhetoric and you've ever done, like, I was on the debate team in high school. So, like, when you know what a gish gallop is, when, when, when you can recognize the kind of, uh, logical fallacies and bad arguments that these guys throw out, watching them is like, oh, dude, this guy's a clown. But doing that in real time and recognizing what they're doing and being able to counter it, that's a skill. That's a level of expertise. That a lot of people don't have. You you usually have to sit down, analyze like each argument one by one in real time. That's just impossible. If you don't actually just go, you know, watch it on uh, on YouTube, hit pause after one sentence, and then go check out the veracity of that and think about the actual logical process. If you don't do that, it, it can be really difficult. So yeah, like uh, like I said, it's 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 people who aren't initiated into. Logic, critical thinking, understanding fallacies, understanding cognitive biases, understanding psychology, understanding. And when I say understanding, I don't mean at the level of an expert. I just mean having enough of a background to just kind of recognize what's up. If you understand those things, then you start to become inoculated against this kind of nonsense. But again, through a concerted effort over the course of decades, Education has been reduced to uh, you know, a pretty um, a pretty poor state, and so the amount of people walking around out there that have this sort of this sort of knowledge just to help guide them in their life and in their decision making, that number is getting vanishingly small when it comes to people who are not, you know, and specifically in a field that requires it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that. A great example of this is jujitsu, right? I mean, we all know that if you want to be competent at jujitsu, you don't need to have a black belt. Like by the time you get to blue belt, you're probably good enough to defend yourself on the street and to also identify if you're fighting someone else who's way way better than you right you have that level of awareness as to what's going on and it's very similar when it comes to really any area of knowledge there is the rote beginner who is so inexperienced that they can't even tell expertise versus fake expertise but then there is a level of training where you might not be an expert yourself but you at least know enough to be able to call bullshit when you see it And that is so important when it comes to being able to assess experts in any given field. Like you said, there is really a glut of just fake and competing expertise floating around right now to the point where I think it's actually overwhelming a lot of real discourse and a real progress. And I think most people would agree with me, regardless of their political leanings, that the current way that we engage and debate each other is just not productive. It's actually very destructive.
1: Oh, totally. Because these commentators, they exist on like either side. Right, like mm-hmm. I, I pick Ben Shapiro just because he's one of the worst. Uh, you know, Crowder might be the worst example, but like there's a there's a class of uh, propagandists that is basically just funded. They just uh, their their job is to poison the well. Their job is <laughs> to put really bad arguments out there to make it difficult for honest arguments to take place. I just I haven't ran across as many of them on the other side of the the political spectrum just because I try to avoid uh watching anything political nowadays it's just it's it's painful to watch because there's like i said like i said there's there's no discourse there's no there's no actual engagement of ideas it's just one person lying about what the other person says
0: or trying to overwhelm them which is something you talked about earlier
1: yeah like the gish gallop or the firehose of falsehood methodology
0: We should probably actually define that. So for those who don't know, the gish gallop is one of those things where once you see it and understand it, it kind of loses all of its magic because you can watch two people arguing and debating, but sometimes you notice there's that one person who just seems to be like driving the other person into the ground with way too many ideas, way too many things for them to come back with. And it makes the other person look weak. But what's actually happening a lot of the time in that case is one of those parties, rather than presenting sound and solid arguments, arguments they might just be trying to overwhelm with volume and where you see this a lot is on like especially news pundit talk shows like the thing i hate most is when you've got like the guy from the left and the guy from the right and they're both just screaming at each other and they're talking over each other and it's the worst thing basically what they're trying to do is gish gallop each other (laughs) a gish gallop is where you try to win a debate not by merit but by volume just by overwhelming the other party with so much shit that they can't possibly rebut every single point so it doesn't even matter if you're right it matters that you've basically consumed the airspace and in the eyes of an uninformed person they're going to see that and be like whoa that dude's saying a lot and this other guy's not getting a word in so you know i know who the smart guy is that's an example of like a a really really toxic debate tactic that sadly it works because most people aren't aware of it and interesting side note that kind of mental model scales up to almost every walk of life i mean as an example i i work in tech and there's a very common thing called a denial of service attack and that is where like if i want to take down your website you know people have this hilarious fantastic version of what they think hacking looks like based on what they've seen in the movies where like the hacker gets to the keyboard and they like they just bend the server to their whim and you know they just distort the server and it just like parts open and they can just do whatever they want that's not often how it works a denial of service attack is where you don't know the magic password you don't know the magic way to crack open the box what you do is you just overwhelm the server with volume you hit it with like billions of fake requests to the point where the regular millions of requests that come in the server can no longer tell what's real and what's fake and so it's not able to answer every question anymore and that's why sometimes when you go to like google and there's no response and the page just freezes and you come back two hours later and now it works what might have happened is a denial of service attack and that is where you are overwhelming by volume you're winning by volume not by quality and again you see the exact same thing happen when two human beings are talking to each other it's one of those funny concepts that scales all the way up and all the way down you can apply it anywhere
1: yeah well i mean what's the I I was reading uh and i can't remember the general's name but his essential one-sentence description of combat is getting there first with the most. Yeah. Like, that's that's who wins. The guy who brings the most force to bear in, in the quickest amount of time is going to win the majority of engagements. But the thing is, again, for those of you who don't know, the Gish Gallop was named after a guy named Gish. Funny that. Yeah, who's a creationist, propagandist, debater. So... That should tell you all you need to know. Like When a guy who was trying to argue for fucking creationism came up with a tactic, you should know how disingenuous and full of shit it is. People should be educated enough to recognize that on the spot and be like, oh, that guy's using a gish gallop. Mm -hmm. He's obviously full of shit. Let's not listen to anything he says. And instead, you got people thinking that he's the cool kid's philosopher. Like, Mm -hmm. fuck off.
0: Yeah. I think the big challenge is that the way that you dispel these tactics, like the way that you combat cognitive biases and logical fallacies is you have to know what they are and you have to develop an awareness of them. That's really the only way to do it because once you realize, oh, wait, this is survivorship bias or whatever, right? Yeah. It corrects course for your brain and pulls it back on the track of real deep cognitive thinking versus just like reacting with your lizard brain. Right. And again, you know on irony on the topic of expertise because i know someone will write in and tell us this because they always do of course rob and i are not psychologists and we're not claiming to be experts in psychology so it is ironic that we're talking a little bit out of our wheelhouse
1: no but 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 all we're doing is quoting actual experts
0: exactly this is something that i find very important for people to understand which is how you engage with experts when you are basically like punching up a weight class you're talking with someone who is inherently more qualified than you but you think that they're wrong the thing is you know your gut feeling and your beliefs do not out way another person's actual expertise so if you want to challenge an actual expert you can do it and actually you should do it a lot of the time but only if you can bring with you the weight of other experts who support you and can prove your point so an example i mean if i'm going to talk to someone about covid or whatever or about you know socioeconomic policy these are areas i'm not an expert in so i'm not going to just pull out a bar napkin and start you know drawing down exactly how we're going to solve all of the world's problems but what i can do is i can look at what trusted experts have actually said on the matter and i can look at what other experts have said about those experts you know that's actually a mistake that a lot of people make is they'll take one piece of information that sounds good to them and they like it because it agrees with them and then they run with it what you always want to do when you see a piece of information especially one that's too good to be true is find out what the other experts are saying about that person and find out what responses have been issued to that information. And if you find that like, look, there's a whole bunch of data that backs up what i'm saying then don't come out and say hey this is my idea this is what i think what you do is you act as a content aggregator and you present the expertise that other people have already gathered and that's what we're trying to do here today i'm not claiming that we have phds in psychology or anything but what i hope that we can do is put into your head some of the ideas that have already been created within these communities that you can then go and investigate more on your own
1: yeah i mean one of the it's, it's, I'm glad you kind of brought that up, especially the, the term content aggregator because one of the things that I've been criticized for by both people who don't know me and people who do know me a little bit is they, they say that I'm just incredibly intellectually arrogant and that I uh, you know kind of beat people over the head with uh, this and I, I don't respect people's opinions and all that. I'm like, honestly, if you give me a, an opinion that you formed that has come from some actual expertise, the reason I'm... You know, dismissive of people is because when I look into a topic and I read up on what actual experts say, and then somebody disagrees with that, and their source of information is some fucking hack propagandist or some conspiracy theorist or some populist fucking moron, they're like, yeah, I'm going to be dismissive. I'm going to be dismissive because I went to experts, and you went to morons. So I shouldn't respect your opinion. There's this notion nowadays that's being, you know, it's being popularized that everyone's opinion is equally valid, and not only that, and more dangerously, that opinions are as valid as facts. And I just don't have any patience for that. If uh, if you want to have a discussion with me, and you want to talk about a topic, and you have next to no education on that topic. And you go and you search out a bunch of information that backs up a bunch of preconceived notions or some political dogma or some whatever other like personal belief that you have that you're just trying to reinforce with confirmation bias. And you're getting all your information from a tiny bubble. Then yeah, I'm like at a certain point, it's just going to be like, I'm going to think you're a moron and I'm not going to want to talk to you about that. And if that makes me intellectually arrogant, that's honest. Like I'm honestly okay with that. I like having conversations with people who are going to be open to actually having their mind changed based on new information and i like having conversations with people who are able to recognize valid information i like having conversations with people who are intelligent enough to know what they don't know i like having conversations with people that are intelligent enough to know where to go to find out about things that they don't know i'll give an example i have a friend and i won't get into like who this person is because i don't want to like Interrupt their like their privacy in any way, but um, I have a friend in the United States, and that's about as much as I'll say. Who's pretty deeply religious, and I am not at all religious. And I I would, I guess, I would say that the atheist community certainly gets its fair share of uh, accusations of being, you know, arrogant and dismissive. And so, for people who would apply that terminology to me, uh, just know that as somebody who isn't religious. I have a very good, I have have several friends who are very religious, but not only is this person quite religious, I have really extensive conversations with this person on a variety of topics because this person is not a dogmatic religious zealot who gets all their information filtered through a religious lens or the political lens that most religious people tend to view everything through, at least dogmatically religious zealots. So although this is a you know somebody who's a firm believer who goes to church who you know like follows the Bible and all that sort of stuff, they are not closed minded they are very intelligent they have differing views on different topics they don't have one political uh side that they follow they will take ideas from basically anywhere and like I said, we just, we have wonderful conversations. I ex, like, I enjoy the hell out of talking to this person. If I were truly so, like, intellectually arrogant and dismissive, the fact that somebody was deeply religious would be enough for me to be like, ah, oh, yeah, no, I don't need to, like, let, let me lord my intellectual superiority over this person. But I don't look at it that way. I, I don't have that kind of, that kind of intellectual arrogance. What I have is an arrogance about people who are just absolutely unwilling to educate themselves and absolutely unwilling to be open to actual expertise. They just – they have their pet things that they believe in and they're not willing to abandon them. And that is where I think as a society, I don't think it benefits us to pretend that the moron who reads nothing but political propaganda or religious zealotry or whatever – that that moron has as much, or that moron's opinions have as much weight as not only an expert, but somebody who actually researches what the experts think on a topic. It, it should be okay to be dismissive of people like that. Those people are what are bringing society down. Those people are what are make what makes it possible for populists and demagogues and authoritarian's to gain seize and hold power so yeah like people who are easily convinced by poor arguments should not have their intellect respected
0: yeah it's a tricky one because i think uh, just from my experience debating people recently i've come to a few realizations and one is that people get their stances intertwined with their personal sense of self to the point where when you attack one they think you're attacking the other so i've I found for example that if someone posts something and i come to them and i try to fact check it or correct it they take it as a personal attack and that makes it really really hard to have a productive conversation because usually then they will respond with a personal attack so this makes it really challenging when someone posts something and they share it out there that is obviously false and i reply in a completely objective manner and explain why that's false and how i know it and how we can prove it and then they come back with a personal attack i think that's a big fundamental misunderstanding about how debate is supposed to work which is that look you can attack a person's ideas without attacking the person themselves and real intellectual progress comes from constantly attacking each other's ideas right and that's something we need to be doing more of I had a conversation the other day with a, a guy who is talking about the, the polarization that we face right now between left and right. And I kind of got thinking, like, I feel like the real polarization we face is not left versus right. I feel like the real polarization we face is people who think critically versus people who don't.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I would agree uh, because it's like, it's funny. I I've, I've not put too many like overtly political statements out into the world and. Despite that, the few things that I have said that could be interpreted as political have had people both on the left and on the right insisting that I'm in the other camp. People who think I'm on the right because I've made comments critical of social justice warriors, and then people who think I'm on the left because I've made comments critical of just idiotic demagogues on the right. Like, you should be able to criticize an idea without being assumed to be of a particular political bent. There's an old Chris Rock special where he talks about this, where he's like, you know, I'm on the right on some stuff. I'm on the left on some other stuff. If you find that you're entirely on one side of a political spectrum, that's a pretty good indicator that you're not a critical thinker.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, Rob, I know if there's one logical fallacy that you love – It is false dichotomies.
1: Well, that's exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think what you're describing here is dichotomous thinking, right? Which is the tendency where people basically assume that it's very much like black or white thinking. You're either with me or against me. And so therefore, if I say something that disagrees with you, I am then presumed by you that I'm in the other camp and therefore I'm your enemy. And that's, it's interesting because I don't think where we live in Canada, you know, we've got five or so major political parties so i don't think we see it exactly the same but down in the states where there literally are basically two parties right it very much does come down to that with us or against us mindset and it just seems like it's hard for people to have nuance on anything anymore and i i see this a lot where people kind of when it comes to how they assess other people or how they assess ideas is either i embrace the whole thing or i throw out and reject the whole thing there isn't a lot of room for nuance in people's thinking anymore and that's unfortunate because a lot of the time the big gains you're going to have and the big breakthrough understandings is when you put out an idea and you butt heads with someone else and then you realize that like 50% of your idea was right and 50% of their idea was right and there's a better idea that can be made by merging the middle ground I mean that's not always the case right some ideas are just like you said they're inherently preposterous but in a lot of cases the big gains come from like basically making ideas fight like Pokemon right figuring out who's the strongest and helping them evolve together that's I think the best strategy when it comes to how you refine your thinking and it's hard to do that in a, a super 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 tribal environment especially one where the concept of expertise has been so muddled and so confused and people don't really have the tools anymore to assess it yes you mentioned earlier confirmation bias which is something that i mean it everyone deals with confirmation bias even if you are fully aware of what it is you're going to catch yourself doing it every once in a while right basically it's the premise that you are more likely to find and embrace information that agrees with what you already believe and you're going to be more skeptical of information that disagrees with what you believe so unfortunately this means that we kind of funnel ourselves into being more entrenched in our beliefs where what's probably better in most cases is to keep an open mind but that can be hard because sometimes our brain works against us (laughs) you know we want to find information that qualifies what we already believe it makes our ego feel good it gives us a kind of a stable sense of of self and of our moral compass but in reality sometimes you kind of need to be slapped in the face with ideas that um, you know they might confront everything you believe in but actually you realize there's a little bit of merit to them
1: yeah absolutely i i was actually thinking when you were talking about the um uh like the false dichotomy thing like because I, I do want to try to bring this back to jiu-jitsu parallels as much as possible so that people don't turn this episode off the the, the best example of that is the gi versus nogi debate and people who want to be no gi only and people who want to be gi only and it's just it's just a stupid debate.
0: But you would agree that you and your kind are a bunch of idiot flat earthers, right?
1: Well, what's my kind? Here?
0: <laughs> you filthy, greasy, slimy nogi people.
1: But so, what, like, why do you think that I'm a nogi person?
0: <laughs> I'm just fucking
1: with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because like I, you know, like I, I, I train in the gi, I train in nogi. I, they're they're like they're excellent merits to both this this idea that. That one is better than the other and one is more realistic than the other. One's better for self-defense. And I was kind of like, Oh fuck. It's just such a, it's such a tiresome, like silly debate. There are merits to both. They, they develop different aspects of your grappling. And, and to be a truly like, you know, knowledgeable, well-rounded grappler, you, you, you do need to, to do both. So.
0: Yeah, I do actually see dichotomous thinking a lot in jujitsu. I saw some guy debating the other day about um, basically critiquing an instructional and saying it was garbage. And basically it came down to, well, the competitors that I like and that I follow don't use this technique. So therefore, it must be bad. And it's like, dude, that's not at all a good way to assess whether something is going to be good or bad, right? There are myriad factors which are much more qualified for making a decision like this versus, well, my guy does it versus your guy does it, right? That's really not a good way to to choose your information.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is the sign of either a limited intellect or a young intellect that hasn't uh, experienced enough in life. And one thing, I just because I haven't found like a an easy segue for it. So let let me just kind of bring it out uh, as the idea of like one notion that is used more than any other to undermine or undercut confidence in experts is this idea that, well, this person was wrong or this information that was put out earlier on is now different. So the expert said one thing at one point and they said another thing at another point therefore they don't know what the fuck they're talking about just to to give an idea of how stupid this is you know w- jujitsu is an evolving art something that we would have said 10 years ago whereas like hey this is how you want to do a heel hook now we're gonna say well okay that's actually not the best way to do it you're gonna want to do it this way so you know if i five years ago or six years ago said hey there's a this is this way to do a heel hook. And then I go and I train with Eddie Cummings, who's revolutionizing the world of heel hooks. And now I come back and I'm like, hey, man, yeah, I was wrong then. Or like, you know, wrong in the sense that like I wasn't wrong then because then the best information we had available was this is how you do a heel hook. The art has changed. It's evolved. It's developed. We've got some new information that's been added. So now I'm going to tell you this is the best way to do a heel hook. Guess what? The way that Eddie Cummings said to do a heel hook five years ago, Eddie Cummings, you know, three years ago said, well, no, it's it's better now this way. And so on and so on. So the same thing could be applied to any number of other techniques. Like the best way to do a barambolo has changed since nobody knew what the fuck a barambolo was. And if you just kind of knew a basic version of it, you could clown people left and right. Nowadays, you got to be pretty advanced with the, with like a Barambola system to even expect to be effective with it. So much so that Keenan Cornelius kind of trolls people and says that Barambola doesn't work. We, we don't have an issue with that in Jiu Jitsu. No one's like, well, who the fuck is Eddie Cummings to talk about heel hooks? He's not an expert. He said this in 2015. He said something else in 2017. Therefore, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like that, that just shows you how absurd that line of, uh, of thinking is. But you'll take somebody who said something a few months ago when we understood less about COVID and now they're giving you different advice. And therefore, that just means that they, that scientists don't know what they're talking about. You know, scientists at one point said it wasn't healthy to eat this. And now they're saying it's uh, not healthy to eat that. Well, I can't keep up. You know, it was this and now it's that. Well, if you can't keep up with changes in recommended like dietary habits over the course of 10 years, Then, like, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) If that's, if that's such an overwhelming effort to just be like, oh yeah, maybe I should change, maybe I should not eat eggs as much now. Uh, (laughs) like, if, if that, if that, if that's enough to throw your whole world upside down and now you just don't know what to believe from scientists then maybe you're just a fucking idiot and you should probably not vote or procreate.
0: (laughs) Well, I can relate to it, right? Because the thing that is fundamentally different is the average person spends only a tiny fraction of their attention on these scientific matters, whereas the experts are spending like basically every working moment on these matters. So for us, you know it's just a little distraction and a nuisance when we have to pull this new information into our head because it's something that isn't really a priority for us whereas for an expert it's their job right they live in this world so they're always on top of these things and I think actually this is even more of a reason why it's important to lean on expertise when you can find it because it is hard keep on top of information in an ever-changing world if it is not your job to do so you're probably not going to have the time to do it effectively which is actually all the more reason why you should lean on expertise because these people are the ones who are doing that thinking so that you don't have to
1: yeah but so so this is the thing we we all do this when it comes to any number of things the only area that we don't really do this is in the like higher level beliefs and like the political sphere because all these people who are like, fuck experts, they, if if their computer breaks, they go take it to somebody who works on computers. They don't bring it to their buddy who works on cars and has them hit it with a, a wrench a couple of times to get it to work, right? Like we all have these, like these fundamental automatic responses that like, oh, I've got this thing that's not working. I'm going to go to this person whose job it is to deal with that shit. But when it comes to a political belief, I'll go to some fucking hack propagandist and believe what they say, you know, and end up rabbit holing to one end or the other of the political spectrum, rather than just trying to get good information, not from political pundits, but from actual experts. And this is that this is the thing that's really important to to start to qualify is like when we talk about expertise, people who talk about politics are not experts, They are either failed entertainers or they're political operatives that are lying to you. They're not experts. The people that you see on CNN or Fox, any number of these, other, these are not experts. They throw out massive proclamations that are almost always reliably wrong. And they're just, they're literally there to fill a void. They're there to fill hours on television or on the internet or whatever. Listening to these people... Rots your brain. Like, just fucking stop. There is expertise in the sense of, if you want to look at the consequences of a political policy, if you want to take a particular policy initiative and go, okay, this particular law changed this. And the consequences of that were this. And this was studied by, you know, actual scientists. And we found that what happened as a result was this. And then you can say, okay, well, that was a stupid policy. Let's maybe not repeat that. If your version of listening to experts on politics is listening to some fucking clown whose solution for everything is a flat tax, then, you, like, again, you're going to end up way on one side with a whole bunch of ignorant and unfounded beliefs. Or or all the way on the other side, thinking that fucking communism is a good idea. It's It's really frustrating because I, like... The degree to which this stuff is impact like politics has not impacted my life for the most part in like in my adult life i'm I'm somebody who never voted i'm apolitical because there's not a single politician that i've ever heard speak that represents me on almost any issue so it's i've been able to kind of stay out of it for the most part, but now like with what's happening recently you know health wise and but just what's happening when it comes to democracy being subverted in democratic countries over the last half decade or so it's just it's really frustrating to see how many people fall for this this dichotomous bullshit
0: you know something that you mentioned earlier on was the fact that people look at changing information or people who have changed their minds as some sort of weakness which is a weird thing to think about right but you hear this a lot like well you changed your mind on this you changed your mind on that how can i know you're right now and i've always found that to be an odd line of attack because i mean as you grow and evolve as a human being don't you want to evolve your knowledge i mean if you're 50 years old and you look back on the person you were when you were 20 and you're the exact same person with no change would you be proud of that i would be humiliated right if you fail to learn anything and evolve your thinking in 30 years i'd be humiliated but when it comes to the way that expertise is presented we we seem to have and i i don't know if there's a formal thing for it i've always just called it a certainty bias but we seem to be attracted to people who can promise certainty and i think that's why i've noticed this a lot of the time when you look for the people who are hucksters and you look at the way they present information everything is 100 certain there is no room for doubt in the statements they make there's here is exactly the way things are here is exactly what happened and they're consistent they'll hold that opinion for 10 20 30 years without evolving it and some people look at that as a sign of strength whereas in reality i would see that as a sign of flawed thinking because it means you're not absorbing new information
1: yeah, yeah no there, i think the quote the quote and i can't remember who it was but it's the the problem with the world is that The wise are filled with doubt, whereas fools are filled with certainty.
0: Yeah. And certainty is attractive. And I understand that because it promises stability in a time where you might not have that. And additionally, I think there's an element where people look at those who are certain and they look at that as like a a type of conviction or a type of strength. But really, that's misattributed. Right. Certainty to the point where you refuse to process and change your mind based on new information that's a weakness for sure and we do very much see this in jujitsu as well but i think the main difference you know you talked about how jujitsu has been thankfully somewhat clear of these issues i think a big part of it is because in jujitsu you can choke someone the fuck out right like it's hard to carry around a whole bunch of bad fake information and fake techniques for too long because eventually you're going to have to roll with someone
1: well but so so this is where again if we're talking about how do we assess whether somebody is an expert? If the black belt at your school avoids rolling with visitors, if the black belt at your school doesn't go and travel and roll with people outside of their affiliation, uh, that is a sign that they are trying to create a bubble. The same way that if somebody only holds right-wing opinions or only holds left-wing opinions – That means that they've created an intellectual bubble, although the word intellectual is probably not the right word there. (laughs) Um, they're, you know, they're creating a knowledge bubble. They're creating a belief bubble that allows them to not have to face new information or opposing information other than the caricature of it that's given to them by their fellow bubble participants. So if we're talking about how do we assess expertise? Again, that, that's a really good jujitsu indicator is you've got a black belt at your club. He talks about this or that, but he doesn't roll. And, and when I say he doesn't roll, there's this, uh, one of these like red flags that you'll get from, uh, if you go, if you go and you ask a question on a forum about how do I know um, there's a McDojo, uh, one of them is uh, one of the red flags is the black belt doesn't roll. The thing is if you're at a garbage club, the black belt has nothing to fear from his students because He's a shitty teacher. He's teaching them bad jujitsu. They're not going to know that he sucks. Uh, so it's, it's not like they have to avoid rolling with their students. Like I said, they'll avoid rolling with visitors or they'll not have visitors at the club or they won't roll outside of their affiliation. Because do you really think that like if you're paying somebody thousands of dollars a year, uh, and they're being flown in to like promote people and all that, you think they're going to come in and roll with you and like clown you? They're not. You know, like I, I, I've I, rolled with a couple people who trained at a pretty clown shoes club. And when they rolled with me, they're like, man, you're really good. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, man, I've rolled with plenty of black belts and you're like none of them did to me what you did. And I'm like, were they all from your club or were they all from your affiliation? Because your club sucks. Your head instructor is a joke. So if the only black belts you've rolled with are black belts within that like lineage, then... Of course you think I'm really good because like I'm actually a decent black belt, but I'm nowhere near as good as you think I am because if you think I'm so fucking amazing, it just tells you – that it tells me that you haven't been exposed to like real elite level like competition black belt jiu-jitsu because if you had been – because like this guy was a purple belt, right? Like he, he should have known uh, and it was, like a very experienced purple belt. Uh, so yeah, like he should have known, but – yeah, it's, if you find that your quote unquote expert doesn't have contact outside of their bubble, if they, uh, they, they're not exposed to contrary information and don't have the ability to present an effective counterpoint to that contrary information, then, you know, you, you might be dealing with a horseshit black belt or you might be dealing with a bullshit expert out there in the world
0: yeah i think in the past you called that inbred jujitsu which i thought was an
1: awesome name (laughs) yes that's exactly what i call it yeah yeah
0: and that i mean that applies to really any type of idea right it is inherently comfortable to put up a bubble to protect yourself from criticism and feedback because it can be painful but the problem is if you do that then you're denying yourself growth opportunity and you do very much see this in gyms where some gyms are just very very self contained you know you don't have visitors going into or out of those gyms they only train with people with their own affiliation and over time that branch of the tree is going to get weaker just because without constant exposure to outside stimulation there isn't going to be that pressure for everyone to get better there isn't going to be exposure to new ideas you know some of those new ideas might add a lot to the game or they might punch holes in the old stuff you're not going to get that if you close your ears to those new ideas so that is one of the the challenges when it comes to kind of like assessing expertise is you kind of have to look at at your expert in this case your black belt and just look at their pattern look at their behavior you know we talked earlier about certainty and how it's important that a good instructor will they'll be honest about what they know and they don't know but also you have to look at how they expose themselves to new ideas right because an instructor who lives in a cave and doesn't talk to anyone else or share information that's not going to be a very good instructor at least not for long
1: yeah, I mean it's and you know the same thing exists in in any field. You know it's it's not just jujitsu instructors. Anybody who I know an engineer who says the same thing. He's like, you know, we've got guys at our firm who they they got their engineering degree in the '80s and they haven't gone out and learned another like <laughs> another single thing, and that's why you know they've got the same desk that they had. 30 years ago and this guy is now a you know a managing partner in the engineering firm despite being 20 years their junior is because he kept growing he kept developing etc cetera, etc cetera. so like this isn't just a jiu thing if one thing i should mention is like yeah you because know, we're kind of you know like we're shitting on these bad black belts there's nothing inherently wrong with not trying to be the best it's just that when and it's, this is always my issue with these types of, of black belts is that rather than admit that like hey man you know, we don't necessarily offer the the best jiu-jitsu. Uh, you know, we this is what we can offer you. If you want something else, you should go somewhere else. They will try to dress it up usually as, well, we teach self-defense jujitsu. Or, you know, we teach the real, you know, classical Helio Gracie filter jujitsu or the whatever. Pure bullshit. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, the pure jujitsu, whatever bullshit marketing term. And they'll do that to obfuscate rather than admit that what they're actually selling you is literally an inferior product which again what what marketing person is going to say that it's an inferior product but it doesn't have to be inferior because not everybody wants the like the best level of instruction some people just want to go and you know kind of train right like and and just hang out with their friends and that's totally fine but be upfront about it and don't use this bullshit term of like well they're a hardcore competition school and we're a uh we're more of a self-defense school no what you offer is kind of lousy jujitsu. it's you're not a self-defense school because you, like you've locked yourself away from progress you teach watered-down jiu this this idea of this pretending that modern jiu-jitsu is inferior to classical self-defense jujitsu is just that is one like if we want to have a you know an actual dichotomy as opposed to a false dichotomy that's a pretty actual one the people who are Presenting this notion that jujitsu in the nineties was as good as it was ever going to get. Uh, that, that's a pretty, pretty specious argument and a pretty disingenuous one. Uh, Again, like it'd be one thing if somebody who is actually going out and competing at the highest level turned around and was like, listen, all I do is use this. And, and and people hold Hodger Gracie up as an example of that. Whereas he's not, he's not using the exact same methodology. To do the armbar from the guard that was being done in the 90s. When you watch him teach the armbar, he's like, "Look, I used to do it this way, and now I do it this way, and you know, in another five years, it'll be this way. It'll be like I've changed quite a bit about like stuff that I learned years and years ago." And I'm like, "I've had to revisit it and go, man, that stuff's just out of date. I gotta, I, I, I gotta get." sharper at this, sharper at that. And it's usually shit like, you know, the armbar from the closed guard. So this idea that there's some pure form that existed back in the day that is just superior, it, it, it's just flat out wrong. And if you want to put this into a an interesting kind of uh, framing, there's a concept that I believe that the term is called stacism versus dynamism. And there's a, I, I don't remember for sure, but I want to say that the author of this book is Virginia Postrel, and the book is The Future and Its Enemies. And it was the first book that I read that basically said that, like, other than the ideologues and extremists, you can kind of forget about the left-right paradigm. And what you want to really look for is stasis versus dynamists. So people that are comfortable with things changing people that are comfortable with chaos and complexity and new ideas coming around and changing the status quo are dynamists. And people who want to have, uh, who want to exert an excessive amount of control, who don't want things to change, who are super suspicious of new information are stasis. So, you know, if you look at it as like conservative versus liberal, That's not a really good way of looking at it. If you look at it left versus right, that's not really a good way of looking at it because there are, there's certainly conservatives who don't ever want anything to change. And if that's the only definition that you use, then like, yeah, like, but then why would anyone want to be a conservative, right? Like the definition that I like to use is if you're, if you're conservative of the kind that isn't an ideological moron, if you're conservative, it just means that you're, you want to use things that work and systems that work until they can be replaced by something that is provably better. Mm -hmm. But even if that's your way of viewing things, there still has to be a method for proving that a new thing is better. So if all you are is somebody who just doesn't ever want anything new to get tried or developed, then you're a stasis. And if you're okay with new things coming along, even if they contain risk, right? Like the – you know, a new medical procedure comes about. And like, I think the the example in the book was somebody who developed, I, I don't know if they developed contact lenses. I think that might've been it. And they basically experimented on themselves. Like they stuck shit into their eyes and I, I might be getting this wrong. So like, you know, please look it up. But basically the idea is like at certain points in time, if you want to have development, you have to have risk. So you have to have a certain level of comfort with uncertainty. And so in every endeavor, if like rather than look at it as a left right dichotomy a more helpful one is the one between stasism and dynamism i i can't remember for sure but i i believe the book the thrust of the book was that dynamism is the way to go and stasism is what holds everything back and i i don't think that that's necessarily accurate because i think there are definitely times when stacism is probably more valid and times where dynamism is more valid in same way that sometimes, you know, being a little bit more conservative is more valid and sometimes being a little bit more risk-taking is more valid. The, the way that societies are formed, institutions are formed is on the interplay between those two things. So like, you know, you have a company that's growing extensively and incorporating new technology and if it goes too far in that and it overextends itself then you know let's say there's a uh, a market crash then it might go bankrupt and then you have a company that's conservative and it'll survive that market crash because it's got more established assets but then in the longer term if you've got a company that's so conservative that it refuses to adopt new technology eventually the new technology becomes so good that it makes that company's technology obsolete and that company goes away without a market crash because it was too conservative. So, like, again, it, it's all kind of found in the interplay and in the balance. Uh, and sometimes you need one and sometimes you need the other. So, sorry, it's just something I thought would, would people would find helpful when it comes to, like, assessing expertise and information.
0: Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. And this is actually something I've always kind of felt, which is when people identify as, like, I am left-wing or I am right-wing, I've kind of thought of that and thought to myself, well, would you always be that way like are you so married to that idea that there's no situation where the other approach might be more valid like i think honestly the best approach to have when it comes to your your leanings like that is to be kind of like a pendulum where you move back and forth and pick the best tool for the moment right because you gave two great examples when the economy is on the rise you might want to pursue a more aggressive growth strategy whereas when you're in a recession then you might want to batten the hatches right these are different strategies and if you Stick to the exact same strategy, regardless of what's happening around you, you're probably not going to achieve optimal results, to say the least. Something else that you talked about was the example of people who kind of just never evolve and grow in their career. And that reminds me of a lesson I learned a long time ago, which is that expertise and experience are not the same things. And people often get them conflated and confused. And they might think they're an expert when they're not. They just have experience experience. You know, you can have a situation, for example, where someone is, you know, maybe they've climbed the ladder in over 10 years, they become CEO at a company, but they might not be the most experienced person at the company. There could be people working on the accounting department who have 20 or 30 years working with the company. Would you want those people to make decisions on behalf of the CEO because they have more experience, Probably not. Right. I mean, experience is only valuable if you learn from it and grow from it. The saying that I've heard is, would you rather have 20 years of experience or would you rather have one year of experience 20 times? I I think that's a great way to think of it. And I think what happens sometimes is people who have a lot of experience erroneously think that they're actually experts just because of time spent. Right. I mean, just because, well, I've been around for so long. Therefore, I'm an expert. Well, not really. Like if you've just kind of been going through the motions and doing the same thing for 30 years.
1: Jiu Jitsu is very, uh, very bad for this. Right. Like, oh, definitely. How many black belts are wearing black belts simply because they showed up for 10 years? it's probably at this point the majority of them and when I say the majority I mean it's probably over 50 percent
0: oh i i would agree with that I think that's probably true yeah yeah and I, I think that's a very good example where just because someone has a black belt that doesn't necessarily mean that they're awesome right I mean there could be people in the gym who have way less time on the mats than they do but are actually a lot better just due to the way that they use it um, also a lot of it is not just time on the mats it's the entrenchment in your thinking right if you if you as a black belt really haven't progressed in terms of your learning and your mental models much since you were a white belt you're stunting your growth whereas you might have someone who just you know I, a lot of the time we call them like prodigies but a lot of it might just be being effective thinkers and being better at absorbing information you can wind up having people who are more junior but are actually better coaches than the people who are black belts for sure
1: oh for sure yeah like that's definitely the case like you know, i guess i'm a bit of an iconoclast in jujitsu with this topic of rank because there is this overwhelming belief that like everyone can get a black belt. And I actually don't believe that everyone can just because I think that if you, if you make something too accessible, it becomes meaningless. First of all. Second of all, this idea that it's impossible to actually have universal rank standards, I don't think is accurate. When I say universal, I don't mean like, you know, like every gym's got their own standards and people say that. But I had a I did a podcast recently with um Harrison. I'm gonna mispronounce his last name. It's Heltebrand or Helterbrand. Uh it's the old rollers podcast. And we talked quite a bit about curriculum and rank. And he mentioned to me that after listening to the podcast, he got an email from a black belt who fortunately found it really illuminating and helpful because he had always, this black belt, had always felt like he had a very good idea of how to judge when somebody was a blue belt from white belt. And he had a pretty good idea of how to judge when somebody was a purple belt, but he didn't really feel like he had a good concrete idea of what would make someone a brown belt or a black belt. And this despite being very experienced, as you would say, like having 20 years of experience. Mm-hmm. And, and he just found that the, the rubric that I gave for how to make rank more universal and more transparent and more well thought out, but at the same time, modular. Like one of the things that I hate was like, well, if you're a black belt, it means you know these techniques. No, well, no, that's stupid, but there are overall skill sets that you should possess. And as long as you stay within that, I think you can come up with a pretty realistic expectation of what a black belt should know and be able to do and again the idea that you're always going to be able to execute that knowledge that's not true because obviously if you're a 50 year old black belt with you know a, a knee surgery recently uh, who weighs 150 pounds and you're rolling with a 200 pound roided up 25 year old purple belt you're not going to be able to execute all that stuff so there are there are modifiers there are ways to figure it out and like if anybody's interested in checking out that podcast check out the old rollers. Uh, you can search it. I think it's on YouTube and, and whatever other like podcast services, because uh, I don't want to like just rehash that. But if you want to really sit down and try to apply some logic and some modularity and some thinking to it, we can absolutely come up with a way of assessing whether or not somebody is what we would call a legit black belt. Uh, so th- this isn't as mysterious as it should be, but in our community... There's this whole idea that like, oh, you know, nobody can comment on rank and blah, 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 and it's it's kind of silly. So, I know I'm a little bit in the minority that way, but I do believe that there are people who, despite having a ton of years, for one, they don't have as much mat time. You know, usually you talk about a hobbyist black belt, somebody who shows up, you know, twice a week for 10, 12, 15 years and they get a black belt. The amount of mat time that guy has is actually less than a purple belt who's been training for six years and shows up five days a week. So, you know, somebody who's like, well, yeah, but look, you know, that that purple belt is a better instructor and is more knowledgeable than that that black belt. Therefore, that invalidates the rank system. Well, no, it's just the way that it's applied is a little bit invalidated by that. Because if you look at it purely from like valid experience and expertise perspective, th- that purple belt should maybe be a black belt. And that black belt definitely shouldn't be a black belt
0: Mm -hmm. it's a tricky one i mean a a while ago we did an episode where we talked about promotions and basically we kind of outlined some of the different ways that different instructors outlined the path to black belt or whatever and it is interesting how there is no real universal standard i mean i know that what you're proposing is to move towards one this is an interesting conversation because It. I don't know if there is a right answer. I mean, my personal beliefs on the matter, I don't really put too much thought into it. What I do rather, and I think actually this is an important thing for people to understand is rather than getting too distracted by the symbol of authority, it's better to understand the ideas behind it.
1: But that's what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is that what, what we have now is an obfuscated path to black belt. So you have this, this way of appearing to be an expert without having to clearly state how you got your expertise. Mm-hmm. You can just say, well, I'm a black belt under so-and-so. And if you got a problem with that, take it up with him. Yeah. This, this idea of lineage is now basically used to sweep under the rug some hellaciously shitty black belts. Mm-hmm. What I want is for people to be able to know – when somebody's wearing a black belt, that they got it for these reasons. You know, that they got that they, they actually are an expert because they've invested the time. Like I think a black belt should be like a PhD. You know, when you get your PhD, you got it for this. You had that you have a your dissertation or your whatever, your yeah, is it a dissertation? Your thesis? Thesis. Yeah, there you go. Yeah.
0: Obviously not a PhD. <laughs> yeah, ob- obviously. <laughs> exactly. Well I here, here's the thing that I think I mean I think a lot of it comes down to what the black belt means to you like for me i mean i've never really thought of the black belt as this big meaningful symbol and i think that's why i'm pretty laissez-faire about the whole thing i mean i i very much prefer the old school approach of like a black belt is just a signifier of competence
1: but that's never been the case in jiu-jitsu in judo the black belt was a signifier of competence right in jiu-jitsu the if, if we go back a little while the black belt was i, I don't want to be the you know the back in the day guy but back in the day if you got a black belt you were a bad motherfucker. Like, But that was true for karate, too, right? Like, if you got a black belt in karate in, like, the 50s and 60s, and maybe even still in the 70s, you could fight. And then after the 80s, you know, karate strip mall explosion... You got a black belt if your your mom paid the fees for a year and a half and you were 12, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so this idea of it, you know, it being a symbol of competence, I'd be fine with it if that's all it ever meant in jujitsu, but it didn't. And so what we're doing is we're creating, again, this, this false picture of this aspirational thing where like, oh, I'm a black belt, therefore, but you didn't go through the process of what it meant to be a black belt back then. And so, I, I just would like us to be honest about that. If we're going to do it, if we're going to say that a black belt, it just means you're kind of competent at jujitsu, jitsu then th- that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I have no issue with that.
0: Well, I, I would caveat a, a few thoughts on top of that. I mean, you're, I know what you're talking about. Kind of back in the day, like a black belt was basically like a certified street fighter symbol. Like it meant that you were a legitimate fighter. But that said, I mean you look at those same black belts today you know would you go to those same people who are now well into red and black belt and beyond and would you take their advice because they did earn that black belt legitimately but does that symbol still hold its meaning
1: no but that's because they stopped evolving i guess the question
0: is like is it okay if the system evolves and how much weight do we really need to attach to that black belt i mean for me again the way that i've had uh, black belt described to me one definition I really liked is that it is a marker of your personal growth. Um that to me has been the best explanation I've that I've heard. And the reason I part of the reason I like it is it does imply that anyone technically can get a black belt doesn't imply that they will (laughs) because like it's within your realm you know that's not to say that you need to be like a, a world champion in order to earn a black belt you can theoretically get a black belt through whatever path makes the most sense to you but if you achieve that rank then there is a level of growth in the art and personally that is expected of you right if you're basically not growing and evolving to that point then you would never hit that milestone but of course these are it's a hard discussion to have because like you said, there is i don't know if there is a right answer i don't even know If actually in the context of jujitsu we we need something like that i mean the thing is you know i i know that we look at phds and we're you're kind of holding that up as a as a competitive standard but Mm -hmm. the reality is like phds in terms of quality are all over the map there's a lot of people who have phds who would fall under kind of your category of like shitty black belts right it's it's impossible to have a totally universal standard for something that i think is so subjective isn't it
1: i i'm not suggesting that we have a a totally universal standard that is, that is rigid. I'm saying that what we want is a, a common definition. Because if we're, like, if we're going to use the definition that it's, it's a marker of personal growth, then, then, then it just has no validity. Like it just has no validity as far as assessing skill level. If it's a marker of personal growth, because you're going to have people who are just not at all able to meet any sort of standards for skillful rolling or knowledge or or conveying information that they've just, well, they've been showing up for 10 years and they're better than they used to be and they they showed some dedication well i
0: mean to be clear i'm taking skill and teaching ability as part of that definition like basically you need to be at the point where i mean i don't want to say you've maxed out but like you've achieved the level of requisite knowledge teaching ability and skill to the point where kind of like i think for me if you were to ask me what the big thing is that differentiates a black belt from like a brown belt it's the ability to create the next generation to me that's the most important thing like the ability to be an ambassador for the arts, to have integrity, to have character, and to be able to teach and produce other black belts. I think that is like the big difference between a black belt and a brown belt.
1: Well, but so, but but if we're going to use that as a standard, then all of the guys that I complain about, they wouldn't be black belts either.
0: Oh, I'm not defending you. <laughs> Please do not take this as some sort of like defense of like garbage black belts all over the world. Like I, I totally get that there is a, a very Mickey Mouse standard of black belts that are out there. I guess, I guess it comes down to how important do you feel the black belt is? Because I think the main thing is for me,
1: the problem is that people speak out of both sides of their mouth with it. Belts don't matter, but oh my God, I didn't get promoted. What am I doing wrong? Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. If we just had a more honest discussion about it, and set up a more forthright standard a more transparent again it doesn't have to be completely universal and inviolate and like, like you obviously you 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 can't have that i don't know like when we say that like there's no universal standard like for example if you want to be a pilot do is that something that we would say like hey man when you get earn your like your your wings it's a marker of personal growth whatever you're like maybe you're not that good at you know landing the plane But, you know, you've been, you've been taking these lessons for a while, and it's a marker of personal growth. You've kind of maxed out. You're as good as you're gonna be. So here you go go out and fly planes now oh
0: that's not that's not my interpretation at all i mean my my full expectation is that a black belt should be totally competent at jujitsu i'm just saying that my expectation would not be that a black belt should be able to go out and just like smoke competition level blue belts or purple belts or brown belts regardless of all other factors like what i'm saying is that your path on the journey and relative to where you started so
1: first off let me just say this i think the idea of having competition level blue belts purple belts and all that is a little bit silly. Mm-hmm. I think that the the idea that you can call yourself a blue belt world champion is it makes our sports seem clown shoes to people from the outside. Because if you were to say, hey, I'm the um, judo Olympic champion at yellow belt, like <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So this idea that, you know, we've got these totally full-time practitioners who are competing at these lower ranks, like it's it's just completely absurd we need to have a a designation for professional jiu so that you don't have these guys who are who are literally more mat time than a lot of black belts and even a lot of good black belts Then, will never mind the clown shoe ones and they're still competing at blue belt and they're going mm-hmm. out and running like highlight reels on some poor hobbyist blue belt because we've got no distinction uh like i said it just makes the sport seem incredibly clown shoes i see
0: so so let me let me explain where i'm kind of coming from here when i kind of talk down on the belt system for me my main concern with the belt system is and I, i think you've already touched on this earlier it just reeks of authority bias like it's really really easy for people to make decisions based on belt and that like you said at the competition level that absolutely happens even in situations where it is a totally preposterous way of organizing things and my preference if i were the guy with a magic wand who could totally make all of the decisions would be abolish the belt system basically i guess my strategy is i don't see a lot of value in it i think that actual on the job performance is a lot more important than the shiny title, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I guess my thing is that I would rather on the job performance be how you get your title. <laughs> so that's I think probably uh, what I
0: what I would like to see is something kind of more akin to wrestling where it is generally flat in terms of title but there also is like a hierarchy that establishes as you move up divisions. That's a system that I think is a lot better. It's kind of like a compromise of both worlds because I agree with you 100% and tying back to the beginning of this episode, you know, you get black belts who speak out of turn on a variety of matters simply because they have this black belt which as we've established here in a lot of cases doesn't mean that much right like at at a lot of gyms getting a black belt just comes down to the number of holes on your punch card and i'm not even really equipped to say that's a bad decision but like if that's what a black belt is then that's what it is but it's definitely a bad decision for deciding if someone was an expert like a good comparative example would be if a phd simply required you to go and sit in a chair at school for 10 years without having to produce anything of value like would we still consider a phd to be a useful title Um, we don't have the equivalent of a thesis in jujitsu where you create like your magnum opus that expands the knowledge of the world your contribution that gives back to everyone and that is the thing that earns you that black belt and that's how you know you're a legit black belt we don't really have that a black belt could mean anything. And and that is one of the challenges to relying on it as a symbol of rank and why I I think currently, at least, you generally shouldn't do that.
1: Yeah. Well, again, I, I think we've kind of deviated a little bit. I'll just – rather than going around in circles about this, all I would say is that I think that the way that I've presented the solution, I think, is a pretty good one because it does create maybe not a thesis, but it shows how You can build a grappler from white belt to black belt with expanding knowledge, ability to teach, well-roundedness, and modular skills that don't have to be a a locked-in curriculum of techniques. That I think do a pretty good job of creating a black belt. And I think anyone that has been exposed to my black belts versus let's say my brown belts or my purple belts, both in like my home academy and just, you know, affiliates, they'll be able to see that really clearly. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and the, the thing that I'm most kind of proud of about how we do rank at our academy is it's not my like subjective Rob knows all decision. In fact, when we have promotion ceremonies, it's not uncommon for me to be like, okay, everybody, who do you think's getting their purple belt? Uh, or who do you think's a bit overdue for their purple belt? And they'll be like, that guy. And that's the guy getting promoted. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's definitely, it's, it's something that can be made a lot clearer if you just spend a little time on like designing it and you're willing to have the power taken out of your hands. I consult with my uh, assistant instructors. i It's a deliberative process and the standards are very clear and it's obvious when they're being met. And it's also obvious when they're not being met. So much so that I've had students who have been promoted by other people and then come back into the gym and people have have been like hey you didn't promote so and so did you i'm like no they're like okay we didn't think so but man whew. like it's just it's that obvious right like the so i do think that that standards for rank can actually be incredibly clear but to do that you have to have an honest investment in not being the you know the person who holds all the the cards
0: yeah and i think that's kind of the unifying thread
1: and i and i think most instructors don't have that They want to be able to wield that power over their affiliation or association or or their gym or whatever, where it's like what I say goes and, you know, like they they don't have any particular interest in divesting themselves of that.
0: Yeah, I think if there's one thing that we can agree on and that really hopefully everyone agrees on, it's that in a world where exactly what a black belt means is not clearly defined universally – you should definitely not look at a black belt as an immediate symbol that someone is right when they're sharing their expertise with you because there's so many limitations and caveats around that for the reasons we've talked about here and additionally you know the thing is too there's a beginner's mind factor right once you've been training for a long time your mind does kind of become sort of rigid and closed to new information and it's an active fight to put your ego aside and challenge your existing ideas so when you see someone who is sharing an idea with you and their justification is simply well, because I'm the black belt. If that's the if that's the best they can do, that is authority bias in action. And that is where someone is basically trying to win an argument with rank or title versus actual merit. And that's something that usually is a red flag that your instructor might be a little bit full of it and you should maybe consider looking for information elsewhere.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um just to follow up on the like biases, if we're gonna talk about logical fallacies, the the argument from authority. Is another fallacy but I think people sometimes misunderstand the fallacy because I've seen so many people mi- like
0: <laughs> oh I know exactly where this is going and I'm excited go for it go for it go for it
1: yeah like well one thing that drives me crazy is when like people who have you know little to no understanding of logical fallacies start throwing around the the, the terms and, and they, like they, they actually don't even know what the hell they mean uh, and so like <laughs> when one of these morons thinks that the argument from authority is that you are using an authority when you make an argument. That's not what it is. You fucking half wits. If I use an epidemiologist as my reference point and their opinion on epidemiology as part of my argument, that's not an argument from authority. If I use the fact that somebody is a doctor for my argument about the stock market that's an argument from authority
0: yeah i was trying to educate someone on this a while ago because i've seen this a lot recently where you cite a very very reputable source um, and people will say well that's an argument from authority isn't it isn't that authority bias you're just saying that because the authorities say so that is not what authority bias and argument from authority are about Uh, argument from authority is when you cite something or you believe something solely because an authority said it now the reality is if you are doing your research properly and you know what you're talking about most of the time when you're citing information and you're sharing it it should come from an authority because odds are authorities are going to be experts and experts are going to be more likely to know what they're talking about and have the right data so if you're doing things right most of the time your arguments will come from experts not all the time but most of the time it is only an argument from authority if the only argument you're making is this expert said so really the argument that you are trying to make should be based on what the expert has said and the validity of that argument not their title or rank that is where the difference lies and that's where i've noticed a lot of people get confused now and i i think that the argument from authority fallacy is really the favored weapon of people who are trying to cast doubt on trusted institutions because they'll you know they'll basically say oh well you said the media said this that's an argument from authority not necessarily or you said a doctor said this that's an argument from authority no not necessarily right the the message and the messenger are very different factors and it is only an argument from authority if you're making a claim simply because an expert said it and for no other reason
1: or or a perceived and like a lot of times it's 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 somebody who isn't an actual expert on the thing that you're talking about so like i said it, it's it's somebody who is an authority but they're not an authority in the specific thing that you are trying to uh to make claims about yeah
0: you give a great example the last time you were on the show with us where you were talking about how like you know if you're in the military well that doesn't necessarily mean you're a great sniper and maybe if you are a great sniper you don't want to ask that person for advice on something that is completely unrelated to their area of expertise and i think that is the thing right when you are a novice at something you don't understand how deep the rabbit hole goes right you don't understand that just because so-and-so is an expert that means they're an expert in this very narrow area and the funny thing about expertise is usually to become a true expert at something you have to narrow your focus a lot because you simply can't divide your time amongst a bunch of different things and actually achieve world-leading expertise in any of them if you want to be a true expert in something you have to sort of give it your undivided attention so what you wind up seeing is that experts usually have very specific areas of expertise and that's why you can get into a lot of trouble when for example someone speaks out of turn about something that is outside of their wheelhouse and again for the uneducated or the person who doesn't understand the the lay of the land it can be very hard for them to know when they're talking to someone who is within their circle of competence or not
1: yeah there's a have you seen the movie goodwill hunting
0: i have long time ago but yes i've seen it
1: so there's a quote by it's a, the, there's the the mathematician that uh that figures out that that goodwill Hunt, that Will Hunting is a genius, right? It's, it's played by Stellan Skarsgård, and at one point he says to Will, "There may be four or five people in the world that can tell the difference between me and you." He goes, "But unfortunately, I'm one of them." <laughs> 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 so that's my way of like whenever I have to explain to somebody that sometimes you've actually got to be within, you know, again, like it's, it's the idea that a, a that a newbie can't tell the difference between. Uh, a blue belt and a black belt based on uh Like with some fields of expertise, you would literally have to be one of a handful of people in the world to actually know that one guy knows 10 times more than another guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, it's something
0: that Oliver Taza said when he was on our show, when he was talking about like how there, there are levels of competition or just levels in general. Right. And the stratosphere between those levels is like, completely game-changing to the point where in order to move from one stratosphere to another you need to completely rethink your entire life i mean with jujitsu and as as an example right anyone can just show up to jujitsu and casually roll but if you want to get to black belt like really really regardless of how you define what a black belt is we all have to admit that like if you're going to get to black belt you have to at least make a level of life commitment to jiu-jitsu that most people would find odd <laughs> right then going beyond that if you want to be a competitor that's a totally different stratosphere you have to restructure your life goals because you're simply not going to be able to achieve at a certain level unless you can devote enough of your time to the exclusion of other activities and man you go beyond that to like the world elite level and these people live their lives completely different right because they might have entire teams that exist to serve that one person and get them where they need to go it's just a completely different way of living your life beyond just this person's just a little bit better and that's a tricky thing with expertise because you can have people who are both experts on the same thing and to the layperson, it might appear that they're the same but one of them might be like world class whereas the other one might just be like a local college grad right? yeah <laughs> and that's one of the challenges with expertise is that it's not all created equal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, like that's, that's why it's so important for people to, well, really just understand what we're talking about. The same way, like if you're, if you're a jujitsu person, which, you know, if you're not, why are you listening to this podcast? But if you're a jujitsu person, after a, a while, you're going to know exactly what Steve, what you were just talking about, this idea that there, there are levels to this. Right. Like there are black belts and then there are black belts and then there are, you know, like, like there are God tier black belts that strangle other black belts who absolutely annihilate the, the level of tier black belt below them and, and so on and so on. So like there, there are absolutely levels to this. And we don't have a problem with that because we're so involved in the sport and this is interesting to us. But when we're not involved in the sport and we're talking or we're looking at something else, They'll evaluate on the same level There's those two, like, hack-debunked doctors from L.A., That that we're putting out some like you know COVID's not that big a deal video, and they'll put them on the same level as Anthony Fauci. Like it's it's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that's the exact example I was thinking. Where those two doctors are absolutely experts in their field. Yeah. But there's two considerations there. One is their field is not epidemiology. They may be doctors. I believe they were like physicians, but they're not epidemiologists. And the other is, I believe those were like two guys who had a private clinic and. Anthony Fauci is maybe one of the most accomplished epidemiologists of our lifetimes, right, in terms of what he's achieved. So there's levels to expertise, right? It would be like me trying to call bullshit on John Danaher or something. I mean, to a white belt, they might not be able to distinguish between the two of us, but anyone who has an idea of how deep the rabbit hole goes will immediately see the difference.
1: Yeah. So, like, I, I would just, I, I would encourage people to spend a little bit of time. I mean, if we're, let's, maybe we're trying to get to the point now where we're talking about actionable steps here. Definitely. Yeah. Is just spend a little time like in anything that you're interested in getting some level of real world knowledge. Like, if you want to form an opinion, an educated opinion on something, First of all, if it's in any way related to somewhere where you can get easy information from talking heads on YouTube, don't do that. Uh, you know, it's the same problem that we have in jiu-jitsu where people like their, their white belts, they go on YouTube and they learn some fucking horse shit. Uh, now, nowadays it, the, the situation is actually a lot better because back in the day, most of the stuff on YouTube was from hacks. Nowadays, a lot of the stuff on YouTube is just really good black belts, teaching good stuff. So that, that's actually become uh, like, that's something I'm actually pretty happy about where like the, like the proliferation of YouTube jujitsu has actually led to better people putting out information on jujitsu on youtube that is not the case right now when it comes to politics (laughs) it's not the case when it comes to a lot of things so yeah politics is probably the best one i can pick because it's the one that has it's the topic that right now has the the lowest level of discussion. Like the people who are mostly talking about politics on YouTube are the equivalent of like back in the day RE submissions 101 level type shit.
0: Ironically, we are those politics people right now because Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: we totally are, right? Like we don't know like I which is why I'm not trying to suggest any particular course of action mm-hmm, mm-hmm. other than like if you want to educate yourself about this kind of stuff, actually educate yourself. Don't watch fucking YouTube political commentators. They're the worst. Get an actual idea of what political science is. Have an idea of what the words left and right actually mean. When you hear people in the United States talking about radical left wing, it's so fucking idiotic. It's because preposterous. there basically is no left wing mm-hmm. other than some fringe, like whatever. I'm not, for, for the actual political parties that hold any meaningful sway over most people's lives in america there is no left wing there's a center-right party and a far-right party if you go to any other country on the planet what is referred to as radical left wing is just really centrist politics so like the the education that most people are getting on politics from youtube especially if it's american politics and american youtube political commentators it's so bad it's such Complete and utter garbage! Don't do that. Get yourself some actual political science books. Again, if you want to study a specific political policy that was implemented, you can actually study it. You can look at okay, this happened, and then find a, a reputable social scientist. Find some replicable studies that were done. And again, there, there there are all kinds of issues you know that plague our society that have been studied by scientists that have pretty in-depth information, where you will see that there isn't a really clear, okay, this right-wing idea totally works, and that quote-unquote left-wing idea totally doesn't. It's like you said, you know, sometimes under certain circumstances, this works, and sometimes under other circumstances, this works. And then there are things that are more, much more frequently, like, you know, this type of policy which, you know, some people would call left-wing, but only in America, overwhelmingly works because it's been so well studied, because we've studied the effects of these policies and and what they do and all that kind of stuff. So study the policies themselves and study the actual effects of the policies and what, what the science on them says. And you will start to be able to distinguish between the like the rhetoric and the bullshit that's being thrown at you to try to turn you into a a, like a mindless zombie who just votes party lines and all that kind of crap Mm -hmm. so like and and this goes for anything you know you want to get like i'm getting into car racing nowadays so like you sure are but well you know luckily because there isn't this uh the same level of you know ridiculous nonsense like I remember when I was a kid, my buddy who is the sort of person well, – like my former buddy who is the sort of person who would fall for this kind of – and has fallen for this kind of like binary political thinking. He was a, you know, like Chevys are great and Dodge and Ford is bad or like American cars are great and Japanese cars are crap. Mm-hmm and I remember my, my other friend who is still my friend and like, man, all these years I've been buying these shitty old American cars instead of just buying a Japanese car that was totally reliable Mm -hmm. because I listened to my idiot friend (laughs) who told me that like, so that was his version of an expert. Uh, and so like, yeah, like, I mean, man, there are all kinds of, solutions out there you know like as a car guy I like certain cars and the more I learn about cars the more I'm like oh well I could actually totally see myself driving this car that I wouldn't have thought of before because I just just thought that well you know these kinds of cars were good and cars that came from here were good for this and other cars are good and like all of that stuff is bullshit Mm -hmm. like if you go to people who actually know what they're talking about they're just like it's just a tool have you seen the movie Ronin
0: no I haven't the Keanu Reeves one
1: no, no, sorry. That's the Forty Seven Ronan. Ronin is a is a movie with Robert De Niro.
0: Oh no, no, no! I haven't seen it.
1: Oh my God, you should see it. It's great. Um, the Keanu Reeves this guy- one,
0: or the Robert De Niro one?
1: <laughs> the Robert De Niro one, not the Keanu Reeves one. Robert De Niro plays this old ish, you know, like compared to the other people in the in the movie. He's a very experienced, like expert, uh, field operative. And he's brought into this team of uh, mercenaries to do a job. And there's this guy in there. He's he's played by Sean Bean, which, by the way, doesn't spoil the fact that that character dies. <laughs> like, usually Sean Bean is like, that guy definitely dies. Uh, But it's this character played by Sean Bean, who is pretending to be an ex-SAS officer. Mm-hmm. And he's talking a lot of smoke and he's he's talking about guns and uh, and like you know what kind of gun do you think is the best gun and this kind of thing and and De Niro just kind of shrugs and looks at him like the idiot that he is he's like whatever it's a it's just a tool you you get the right tool for the job like mm-hmm. it doesn't fucking matter right like as long as it does the job right so that like you, you want your ideas and your beliefs about the world to be tools that do the job if all they do is protect this ridiculous sense of self that you have then they're actually really bad at doing the job. You you don't have the ability to effectively interact with the world, and you're just bringing everyone else down with your stupidity. So develop these this ability to look at ideas and policies and you know, notions or whatever. as They're just tools. So if you want to learn about what's the most effective tool for this, go to the people who know the most about how to use those tools like it's 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 hard to go wrong that way Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm, absolutely and another thing that i would add i mean you talked about just the sheer prevalence of content that's out there which is a blessing and a curse i read this article by david peril and he called this the paradox of abundance yes and basically what he says is that like the average quality of information is getting worse But the best stuff is getting better better. because we're, because we're in a market of abundance where there's so much stuff out there. So what this means is that like the median level of quality is way down because the barrier to entry is so low. But because of the sheer volume of it, the best stuff is absolutely going to be world class. And you see this. I mean, you talked about like YouTube videos. That's the greatest example. I can't imagine a much less of a barrier to entry. So one thing that you can do if you want to really, really identify where good quality content is is find a place where there's a quality gatekeeper basically someone whose job is to make sure that no one gets through the door unless a certain level of quality has been achieved And that can be tricky to do, especially in today's world, but otherwise it does become very, very hard to separate the wheat from the chaff when it comes to identifying who really knows their stuff. So any effective shortcut you can use to gauge quality, such as like, is there a gatekeeper in place that winds up mattering a lot because otherwise there's just so much noise out there that you'll never get to the bottom of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is one of those, one of these Herculean tasks that if you assign this, uh, this level of. Like effort to everything in our lives, then it's impossible, right? Like you, you, if you want to try to find out who all the, you know, the best experts are in, in, in every single thing that you do, you're not going to be able to do it, which is why, again, generally speaking, we're, we're pretty much like, for the most part, we are presented in a lot of things with pretty reliable experts. But if you're in doubt, there's a pretty easy way to find out, you know, we've been talking about these things so far. I would just encourage people to like, if it's going to be something that matters, you know, if you're going to spend 100, 200 or maybe sometimes more dollars a month on a hobby like jujitsu, find out enough about it that you don't walk into some shitty place. If you're going to vote, for fuck's sake, find out enough about the political process that you don't throw your vote away. Although, I mean, I would argue, uh, unfortunately, in in a lot of countries that no matter who you vote for, you're pretty much throwing your vote away. But more recently, it's become clear that even if it's between two bad options, one of them is much, much worse than the other. So it's still something you should get informed about. Uh, you know, if you're going to go like, you know, I've had a couple of knee surgeries. I did a crap ton of research on the doctors uh, and, and and the process uh, and just anything that really matters in your life where you want an effective result. And effective doesn't mean the result that makes you the most comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the most effective result. Like be as ruthlessly honest with yourself as you can be, which again, is that's just something that I try to, to the extent that I'm comfortable giving people life advice, which is not very. If you can develop the habit of being ruthlessly honest with yourself and seek out information that's contrary to your existing belief system and have people around you who are, and this is really important because again in jujitsu, especially once you've been at jujitsu for a while, you know when you and we've I've talked about this before. When you're a jujitsu instructor, there are any number of people that are just uh, going to pump your tires in a way that's that's not justified. You can surround yourself with a with a gaggle of blue belts that tell you that you're the fucking greatest. It is really really important to make sure that you are receiving contrary information and that you have people in your circle that will give you contrary information. And if you can't handle that, again that's revealing something about you it's revealing that you are not being honest with yourself Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah if you're if you're in a room with everyone who's agreeing with you and pumping you up that should actually scare you because it means that no one is really giving you honest feedback there should always be some degree of dissent or some degree of critical feedback and if everyone is always aligned all the time and everything is always hunky-dory that doesn't mean that everyone is right it just means that people are not being honest with each other
1: yeah and the flip side to that Sorry, and the flip side of that is if everybody around you is disagreeing with you and you are not changing your mind, <laughs> that might also be – that might be the sign that you're – yeah, there's some limitations to you. Yeah,
0: safety. if you are like the lone dissenter and everyone else can – is like demonstrably – proving that your way might be wrong like i mean if one person disagrees with you that's life if two people disagree with you
1: well it's like that saying that like you know if if, if you meet an asshole and if you meet one asshole throughout your day you met an asshole if you yeah. meet a bunch of assholes then you're the asshole <laughs> exactly yeah.
0: so it, it's an important thing to understand the other thing i would also suggest is to um there's a great quote from paul graham where he says keep your identity small and you gave some great examples of this right if if you have various things tied up in your ego and sense of self-worth and self-identity like your political leanings or in the context of jiu-jitsu your gym affiliation or your belt rank like if you look at these things as being part of who you are it's going to influence your decision making because you're going to look for things that confirm to your existing biases and beliefs so it is better to try to detach yourself from those labels. You know, I think a big part of the issue that we see in the US right now is that people think of themselves as either left or right. And that's a very, very dichotomous way of thinking. And as we said at the beginning of the show, I think a far better label would be, do you think critically or do you not? And that is divorced from political parties entirely. That's just a way of thinking. Um, and really, I think that's a far healthier thing.
1: Yeah, I wish, I wish more people would understand this about science is that science is just a method for accumulating and assessing information and it's self-correcting.
0: It's just a tool and a process. That's all it is. It does not have exactly. an agenda. Um, it does not yes. have political leanings. It is just a tool and a process for discovering information. Anyone can use it regardless of what your political leanings are, your gym affiliation. Like The tools for learning should be constant. And really the only two categories of people in the world that matter are those who learn and those who don't. Well, I think that was a great chat. I learned a lot. Hope everyone else definitely learned a lot. I mean, this, I think, as everyone knows, is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. Cognitive biases, mental models, logical fallacies, this kind of stuff.
1: Oh, you know what? If, sorry, just if, if I can add one little parting thought. Go for it. If at any point you are now having listened to this sitting down to send hate mail to Steve or myself, you are literally one of the morons we have described. You are one of the people that because we insulted some sacred cow that you have are are now getting their knickers in a twist to the point where you're sending an angry email, then you're the problem
0: but that said i do enjoy those emails
1: <laughs> oh of course they're they're hilarious you know but
0: the one thing yeah. that i find rob and i mean I, I you tell me if you've experienced the same i mean we try to keep the show mostly like on the straight and narrow and objective but that said we do every once in a while we upset someone and we get we hear about it what i have found is the people who have legitimate questions they'll send me like a one maybe two paragraph email but the people who are mad will like send me their life story oh, and i'm God. reading this and i'm like i wasted your whole day here man like you were so upset about this that you wrote like a whole book chapter (laughs) to tear to read me out about
1: so i mean maybe i'm jinxing myself by saying this but i personally haven't really received any hate mail like on at least as far as like like i know on on a couple of the podcasts that i did with stefan he got some some comments like i got some uh a couple of death threats uh in in some youtube comments but as far as like People who either have, have listened to, like, you know, subscribers of my online academy or people who, uh, have, yeah, like interacted with me on, uh, on Instagram or, or anything like that. I have not gotten any sort of, of hate mail. So maybe my audience is just, are just not the type of morons that, that send hate mail to, to quasi public figures so
0: or maybe they're busy driving to your house right now it could be that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i hope that everyone who listens to this understands that like the whole purpose of this conversation is not to shit on whatever beliefs you have but rather to talk about how detaching your thinking from those beliefs and learning to assess sources of information independently and objectively that's really what you need to be doing like this is not about trying to shit on anyone's personal feelings or their opinions it's just a matter of talking about ways to objectively think and make decisions
1: yeah and when you get to the point where you can do that you will be able to very effectively shit on people's stupid opinions
0: (laughs) yeah that is the thing like if you really want to shit on people's opinions what better way (laughs) than to understand critical thinking
1: exactly
0: yeah well, I mean, I, I think that was an awesome chat, Rob. Again, thank you so much for your time and making yourself available. Um, I know that this is a an area of passion for myself and also for you. And I hope that everyone out there who listened got something valuable out of this. Um, as always, any questions or comments, please do write in. Rob, anything you want to talk about or, or to share with us before we go?
1: God, at this point, no, I just want to go to sleep. Fair enough. <laughs> do you
0: want to plug your academy?
1: Oh, sure, yeah. Um, well, the, my online academy, because my brick and mortar academy I mean no one can come visit it right now um but yeah, yeah bjjconcepts.net if you want some pretty some, if you want a nice mix of conceptual jiu-jitsu pretty in-depth technical instruction a unique resource for developing your instruction skills like your ability to teach we call it the pedagogy section and, and quite a vast collection of dick jokes uh, interspersed throughout that you don't say if you yeah if you if you enjoy that sort of thing then, uh, yeah, check out bjjconcepts.net. Uh, uh, and when things do get back to normal, um, please come and visit Island Top Team, uh, on Vancouver Island in Nanaimo in Canada. Because man, I, I miss having visitors. It's, it's really, you know, I got to roll with fucking Rory all the time and it's t- just terrible. You so, know, we had uh, him yeah. on the
0: podcast and I was actually shocked by how many people enjoyed listening to him. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I, I, the amount of positive feedback i got kind of blew me away i mean this is rory but you know i guess that that's that whole internet expert thing right you make one stephen Casting dvd and then everyone just loves you
1: yeah exactly but yeah <laughs> so yeah please for, if yeah for, the, for those of you that are ever interested i do have you know when, when when travel is okay i do have a visiting student program at my academy anybody from any academy in the world is welcome to come and visit for a week, and you can stay for free uh, with me at my place. I've got a, a home with a, a few extra bedrooms that I host visitors all the time. So yeah, and you can yeah, you can train at the academy. So w- once things get back to normal, please hit me up. Although we'll, we'll probably have a bit of a waiting list. We I had to cancel a bunch of visits as as shit went sideways back in march and you know now i've got people that have contacted me and are like hey when things get back to normal can i visit so uh we may not be able to get you in right away but we will find space for you i I love having visitors i love meeting new people i love talking about ideas i've actually in case you can't tell you know we've been talking about this shit for almost two and a half hours i have stayed up for a couple hours talking to people about stuff uh you know it forces me to interact with human beings in a way that doesn't involve me being uh, a jujitsu instructor on the mats where people are obviously like listening to what I say. So it's it, uh, that's it's one of the things. It's one of the tools that I use to try to undercut you know any kind of cognitive biases that that I might be you know guilty of because we all are like one of the worst things that you can do is you know you learn about cognitive bias and you think that it obviously that it doesn't apply to you
0: oh yeah 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 that that's the thing it's like when people say i'm not racist it's like yes you are everyone is it's a cognitive bias it's like if you deny its existence you can't do anything about it we have to accept and understand these things if we want to actually take action and that's why it's so important to understand these cognitive biases because awareness is the single best tool for combating them and therefore making better decisions
1: Yeah, but awareness alone doesn't do it. You have to have a protocol in place that is outside of your own personal thought process, because you will still be vulnerable to these cognitive biases. And the more isolated you are from, again, opposing views, the more power you have, you know, there's a reason there's that saying that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, Mm -hmm. uh, is that no one is above it. And so, Part of my process for preventing cognitive biases or not preventing, but from dealing with cognitive biases and for being exposed to different ideas is that, like, you know, when I've got visitors at my home, if, if they have, you know, a a particularly interesting view, uh, if they've got interesting life experience, I get to meet really fascinating people who know a lot more than I do about whatever things that they know about and i get to talk to them and i get to be educated and i get to and and i sit there and i'm not the authority in the room i'm not the the guy that everyone's listening to i'm the guy who's listening to someone else and we or we might even have uh you know a debate or about something that i happen to believe in and maybe they have a different view and i'll I'll be able to to change my mind on something because the, the the information that i had didn't have the same level of expertise behind it as the information that they have so uh, like I've had some wonderful book recommendations from some of my visitor visiting students that I've been able to you know change my my views on certain things as, as a result of those books so yeah like it's a anyway this has become a a thing about my visiting student program so yeah um, there's a plug check any of that stuff out islandtopteam.com is my school's website bjjconcepts.net or.com uh, will take you to my online academy if you want to give me money
0: awesome awesome and if you want to give me money bjjmentalmodels.com specifically on the patreon we give away a ton of stuff on there in addition to getting the episodes in advance we also have a lot of exclusive content and educational material we actually just finally after getting badgered non-stop for a year and a half about this put all of our stuff into a book and it's up there in pdf and epub format so join us on patreon and you can get that rob i think that was a great chat if it's okay with you why don't you go to sleep and i'll go and talk shit to people on the internet
1: yeah, I, I definitely got the best part of that. Yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go and uh pretend to be a COVID expert. Alright, I'll talk to you later, man. Alright, take care. Take care. Bye.